Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investors Podcast, where we aim to give you the knowledge and confidence to move from residential into commercial property investment. And I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. So this week, I'm going to be sharing 10 important lessons I learned about commercial property investing back during 2008, right through to 2013. I actually started investing back in 2000 when the previous recession kicked in. But at that time, I was only investing in residential. There are, of course, some similarities... And I remember buying some um, repossessions at the time, which we then did up and relet, and then eventually we sold them on after the after the market got stronger, which then led us into commercial. But the point is, downturns come and go every few years. They're triggered by different issues each time, of course. And the last one was due to lack of liquidity or credit. But that's not the problem this time round. This time, it's more than likely going to be a lack of income. More on that later. The actual trigger each time is not the important factor, though. What is important is how you react. And make no mistake, we are about to enter another cycle, downturn, opportunity, call it what you like. And I want you to be readying yourself now. I've been reflecting on the last time and I've summarised the lessons I learned. Your job is to work out which ones can apply to you and, importantly, do something about it. But before we dive in, It goes without saying. I know things are still serious out there. People are potentially losing their businesses or even their lives. But as a society, we all need to continue to contribute. This is not the time to be sitting back and doing nothing, waiting for everything to pass. We need to double down. If you're considering getting started or if you're already in commercial property investment and you want to grow, then this is the right time to get educated and take some action. Think about it. New and emerging small businesses are going to need space to take advantage of changes in the new world order. Make sure you don't miss the opportunity to fulfil that demand. During the cr- and after the crisis of 2008, we actually managed to buy about 40,000 square foot of mainly office space, which totally changed our business. Market prices dropped because of the credit problem and the subsequent recession, of course, but it gave us an opportunity to actually increase our portfolio size at a good price. And it's worth noting that in the year or two leading up to 2008, almost all the buildings I looked at appeared to be too expensive, and they were all going for residential conversion. Can anyone relate to that? I mean, over the last couple of years, is that not something that we're all experiencing? So it was due for a change. Let's see. Let's dig in. I've distilled it into 10 lessons and factors to look out for. So, the first one. It's more of a question. How long will the period of opportunity be? How long is this window going to be open? The short answer, in my humble opinion, is 
longer than you think. Because although the lines on the charts and the graphs may go up and down quickly and it might be a short, sharp recession, it might be a long, deep one, we don't really know. But what I do know from last time is that these things take a long time to work through. So I don't have a crystal ball, of course. This is only my opinion. But the reason why I did not just say lessons learned from 2008 and 9, but rather through to 2013, was that the fallout from 2008 and 9 took a few years to unravel. The impact actually still gave us opportunities five years later. Let me tell you about a deal we did, just to share why I think five years is actually how long these opportunities might be hanging around for. So... We actually bought this building at a really good price because of the recession, but we didn't actually get the deal done until 2013. I actually first viewed the building back in late 2007, but the price tag was way too high. We weren't even in the same ballpark. But here's how the recession changed all that. You see, the people I was talking to, unfortunately, they went bust. And then the building went over to be looked after by another company who eventually went bust and then the building went to a normal agent to be looked after but unfortunately normal agents are not particularly good at multi-let buildings certainly not national agents and so the income started to drop and then the bank that had lent the money on this in fact, it was a portfolio of properties that this one existed to. They lent the money to a property fund that actually owned the property. But they then asked for the value of the portfolio to be reassessed. And they realised the loan to value was breaking the covenant. So actually, the bank foreclosed and actually took the property back. So it actually took the property off the property fund. So I'd actually been tracking this for five years. <laughs> And finally, it became available. It was one of our best purchases. So just to put this in perspective, the annual contribution to our company before finance costs from that particular building is just over 40% based on the original purchase cost. Yep, you heard that right. 40% ROI. That is exceptional, I'll agree. Some of you may have done better, of course, but to us, that's, that's a pretty good return. But it took five years of patience, tracking and waiting. And just to be clear, it's not a teeny little building. It's a regular building. It's about, on total, about 18,000 square feet. And in terms of financial contribution, this building net after property expenses, i.e. all the costs for running the building, contributes a five-figure sum to the overall business every month. So it was definitely worth the wait and the patience. Now, I'm not just saying that to say, look how awesome we are. It's to say you can find great deals as a byproduct of downturns. But it leads on to point two. It takes time for some deals to wash through. So although in the point one, how long is the opportunity going to be? Well, actually, the recession may come and go, but the opportunities will still persist. And in fact, not only do you need to be patient, and you need to keep a database, by the way, of all these buildings that you're looking at. But this time it might even be slower because money's so cheap. But if there's no income or less income, sooner or later the debt will become a problem. 
banks will at some point ask for revaluations and the inevitable price drop will mean that the LTVs, the loan to values that is, will be broken. The covenants on those will be broken and that's why properties will become distressed. And at that point, if your loan to value is now above what it should have been or what you agreed to, the bank will want the owner to put more money in to cover the shortfall or the owner may need to sell or if there's negative equity the bank may just take the keys so let's just quickly look at an example let's say there was a building for five hundred thousand pounds bought in 2019 and let's just leave the income for the moment but let's say it's five hundred thousand pounds the owner put in a hundred thousand twenty percent maybe a little bit more but let's just keep the numbers easy for my brain and then it gets revalued because the income's dropped a bit. And now it's revalued at 400000 But the loan is still, some of it's been paid off, but it's still almost 390000 say. So now the loan to value is really high. There's actually only £10,000 worth of equity in there. So at this point, the bank will turn around and say, the loan to value covenant has been broken. You need to put more money in or we need to find an exit. Now, the reason why I think it's going to take longer this time is that the banks are being encouraged um, a lot by most nations' governments to be um, supportive of the economy, supportive of companies. So banks will not be doing this straight away, but at some point they will have to, to meet their own obligations. So, more than ever, it's important to keep a database of potential deals. Keep track, set up a system, store notes on potential projects, because just because somebody said no to you, no, I don't think that's a good price, I'm not going to accept your price, it doesn't mean no forever. I mentioned this in my last podcast, but some building price tags will remain stubbornly high, but over time, the owner will need to accept the new norm. And psychologically, they will come round to lowering price, a price they're willing to accept that might suit you better. But there's a wee caveat here. Although deals can take a while to come through, this is not an excuse for you to sit on your hands for five years. We did do other stuff in the interim waiting for this deal. Some deals will work out much quicker, and by keeping track of a number of opportunities, you'll have a pipeline of deals for the next few years. The key is to get lots of irons in the fire. So, to purposely repeat myself, I'm not giving you an excuse to sit around and wait for five years for a possible deal, even though some will take that long to work their way through the system. The third thing, then, it's important to start buying sooner than never. Important to start buying sooner than never. So having said it takes time for deals to wash through, I'm going to be slightly contradictory here, it's important that you get off to a start and buy something. There's no point negotiating forever and waiting for years to get the best price. I am, of course, assuming you're planning on buying more than one building when the prices are potentially lower. You can only consume new acquisitions, though, at a steady pace. Otherwise, if you buy loads at the same time, you can't fit them all into your portfolio efficiently. Your team might not be able to deal with them efficiently. And you might overstretch which may put you in a vulnerable position yourself. So steady as she goes is best. Don't be like the pig in the python by swallowing a load of acquisitions at once and then getting indigestion as this large meal of real estate passes through. Best to buy steadily. 
But the important point is, while the downturn works its way through and we come out the other side and the charts start pointing upwards, you need to be working on projects all the time. Because although money is important and saving money is important, time is also really important. It's the one asset you've got that is always reducing. And just as a point, after a large acquisition that we made in 2009, the seller's agent actually spoke to me. This is after the deal was done. He spoke to me a few weeks later and he said, um, Jerry, you know, if you'd negotiated a bit harder and for longer, you could have got another 10 grand off the price. So at the time, I was like, hmm, okay. But how often reflected on that? And I've come to the conclusion that it was still a fantastic price, first and foremost. It was around about £165 a square metre, which, considering when you build these buildings, is at least a 1,000 a square metre. And it was better to get the deal done so we could seize the opportunity in 2009 and make more money rather than haggle for a few more months. Because the law of diminishing returns definitely kicked in there. So don't wait forever. You do need to do some deals. But in order to make sure you get the price right, here's the fourth lesson. Volume is really critical. So I'll give you two scenarios. Imagine you're looking at a building that you found. It's an amazing building. Looks beautiful, looks the part. It's the sort of thing that gets you excited. You've worked out lots of income streams and you've even got some potential clients lined up. It just fits all your investment criteria except for one thing. The owner's holding out for a higher price and the price point means your ROI is probably not going to match what your investment criteria has been set up to do. So they also know how emotionally attached you are and why you want it so badly. Not only that, but because you've been preoccupied with this building for quite some time, it is the only one you're seriously looking at, which is not a great negotiating position. Even if he or she, the owner, knew it was the only one or didn't know it was the only one you were looking at, you know it's the only one you're looking at. So it's really important you get this deal over the line, but that might come at a cost. Now imagine, on the other hand, you were also looking at five other buildings and they could all work well for you. And the seller of the first building knows that you're looking at five other buildings. Plus, you let them know you're likely to only be taking on one of these buildings. And it could be any one of them. It could be his one or her one, or it could be one of the others. Now, in the second scenario, if you are the only serious buyer on the scene, negotiations are going to be much less emotional for you and you're going to have much more leverage it's not so important to you that this particular deal goes through because you know you've got a number of others. So it totally changes your approach to negotiation and just your whole demeanour about this project. So you need to have a few deals on the cards so you can be prepared to walk away from any of them. The lesson really is don't stop looking when you find a great project. We all do that. We find a, a, what looks like a great building. We get excited about it. The figures look good. It's just the price. And we try and chip away at the price and get on with other things and day, fill our days and then hope we're going to get this deal at some point. Just keep going looking for other deals. Even if you buy the original one, the chances are you'll end up buying it for a better price because your negotiating position is much better. 
So the fourth point is volume is really critical. The fifth thing I remember is about bank funding. And I've said before, most of our funding has come through banks. We have done some joint ventures in the past. But bank funding during that time was a bit more tricky. And I have to say, when we bought that building in 2009, the bank funding was not too difficult. We did get told no to start with. I have to say that. The bank said no. But that just meant try again, right? So we tried again. But I'll come back to that in a second. The thing was, in 2009, it was a bit more difficult to borrow. But I remember we borrowed in 2010, 11 and 12. And in fact, in getting 13, of course. And each time, it just got a bit more tricky. The recession last time round was because of credit. So there was a different um, macro factors in there. But I do remember it just became more difficult as things went along and money actually seized up a little bit more. At least it appeared that it did to us. But back to the point about nose. So the two buildings... Um, I'm going to talk about in this podcast. Both of those, when we went to the bank initially, they said no. So it's really important not to take no as the answer. And I don't mean being belligerent and arguing about it. It just means try again. So don't give up and accept what the professionals are telling you. You need to be the leader right now. You need to choose to make that happen. So keep communicating with your sources of funds. You will likely have to pay some accountants to prepare projections for you, though. That's what we had to do. And even though you might think you're the best person for doing spreadsheets and clearly will know your business the best, but you'll need that seal of approval from a professional accountant for the bank to feel they've ticked the right boxes. So the spreadsheet's coming from you is one thing, but the spreadsheet's coming from an accountant on the accountant's official email and all the rest of it means that not only are those figures um, potentially the same as the ones you did, of course, but not only do they work, but they've got that professional seal of approval, and that helps a lot. So it's important to keep in touch with those accounts, and it's also important to be prepared to actually ask for that help. So your numbers and your financials will need to go in a bit more sharper, but also your own in your own professional proposals will need to be a bit more in depth. So, for instance, if you're looking at um, developing a building, maybe you need to go to front end the architectural designs or at least some of the ideas you have are not just written. You've actually got some professional proposals. All these things help oil the wheels, as they say. So bank funding was a bit more tricky, but not impossible. The important lesson there, don't take no for an answer. It just means try again. Work out what they want and then try and deliver that. Number six, buildings will begin to move, but they'll move off market first. So what do I mean by that? Well, I don't think you're going to see a flush of properties coming through agents' windows, at least not straight away. Owners won't necessarily want to publicise the fact they're selling. So there's a couple of reasons for that, okay? The first thing is, if they've got a multi-let building in particular, What they don't want to risk is popping it on the market and then all their tenants realising the building's for sale. Because it could mean a couple of things. One, tenants become a bit uneasy. They maybe don't make the plans to take more space that they were going to do. But equally, they might be thinking, well, if there's a new owner, are they going to want us to stay here? How is it going to change? What's going to change? Maybe I'll look somewhere else. So often, the owners don't want to publicise because of that factor. But the other one is, quite often... 
commercial landlords, particularly private commercial landlords, it's not their main business. Their main business might be something else. It might be in hospitality. It might be in services. It might be in, in other sectors of business. But because that business is suffering or is in financial trouble or is having cash flow issues, they need to liquidate some assets. And one of those things might be commercial property. But again, they might not want the outside world to know that they're liquidating assets to shore up their business because they don't want people to know it's in financial trouble. So to start with, these things will come through off market. So what can you do about that? Well, you need to continue building the relationships, in particular with gatekeepers. So the obvious one is commercial property agents, right? And of course... Those are the ones we've spoken about before. But there are others that could be gatekeepers. A couple of them that I've mentioned already, bankers and accountants. Because these professionals that now, don't get me wrong, you can't go to them and say, can you give me all the details of all the people you think are suffering or needing help with commercial buildings? Because they're not going to give you the names. They can't. But if you talk to them in a sensible manner and suggest where you're trying to go to with commercial they might have some customers that have assets they need to liquidate off-market and they might be able to join the dots and put the two of you together if the seller's willing to do so. But it has to come through them. But it's definitely worth having those conversations. Another one is um, reaching out to commercial landlords. Is there any that you know already? If they're struggling, then maybe they have an opportunity for you. Because I remember back in 2000, in that recession, when I was doing residential... I remember hearing examples of a couple of guys locally that were buying quite a lot of residential properties, flats and houses, from a well-known landlord. And and I just and they were buying them at good prices, by the way. And I just thought, lucky so-and-sos. How are they getting these? Why is it I'm still out in the market trying to find these off-market deals and trying to find repossessions and things which are becoming thin on the ground? And these guys are getting all these deals. But of course, when you think about it, They'd spent the time building the relationship. It wasn't luck. It was They benefited from that relationship later when the time came. So if you know some commercial landlords or indeed business owners that have commercial property, then keep talking to them. There might be some opportunities there. The last one on this little list of gatekeepers that I've found that can be helpful are from networking events. But what I'm not talking about is just going along and just networking with everybody. It's finding the leaders or at least the gatekeepers that deal with small businesses on a day-to-day basis. That's their customers. So they're B2B, business to business. That's how they operate. That's the space they operate. They're not business to consumer because these guys will be dealing with the types of owners and customers that might have deals that might suit you. So there'll be others. But think about gatekeepers that you know that might be able to find or at least point you in the right direction or indeed distress sellers in the right direction so that you guys can meet and deals can be done off-market. It's one of the ways you can do off-market deals. By the way, just a wee thought there about agents and stuff. If you need any proof that things are changing, then a very telling sign that things have changed since the start of this year is that agents are now reaching out to me They're even returning my emails. The last time that happened to me was in 2009, which tells you something. So the next factor I wanted to share was hindsight, of course, is a great thing. And and this one I've titled 
buy a lot more. <laughs> I mean, it says it, doesn't it? Warren Buffett says, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. I wish I'd bought more residential during the correction of the early 2000s, but I just didn't know it. I was new to it. I didn't know how good an opportunity was and how long you'd have to wait until the next one. But fast forward to the next one, I was less fearful. But this time round, I'm definitely ready. Because once you've been through this a couple of times before, you start to recognise that it's not the time to lose your head. It's the time to really get busy. So use that. Think about what you can do now to remove any fear that you have or at least balance the fear. Maybe get around some people that are less fearful right now and people that are going to influence you and help you see the bigger picture. And a positive picture. That's the important thing. But anyway, that was one of my lessons. I, I want to buy more this time around. Number eight. Use other people's money to increase your reach. So are you trying to do all this on your own? You might be using bank finance, of course. But, and if you have a good pot of money and you're looking for, say, passive incomes, passive investments, sorry, like some primary industrial stock or whatever, then that's fine. Okay, use your own money, spend it. But if you want to take full advantage and be a bit more of an active investor, then keep talking to potential joint venture partners. Last time around, we bought with our own pot and bank funding, but it limited our ability to grow because ultimately your pot will run out. This time around, I'm actively seeking more joint venture partners. We've done some joint venture partners uh, ships sorry, since the last crisis, but it really is important to be increasing the pot that's available to you so that you can take more advantage of the opportunities that are going to come up. But don't go rushing in. Just when your pockets are full doesn't mean you have to go and blow it all. Make sure that you're getting good deals, not just any deals. Uh, the ninth thing is just, uh, just a personal thought about land banking. During these sorts of times, or potential times, people do spend quite a lot of money on land banking. But I don't think it's really a time to be land banking. I mean, if you've got deep pockets, then yes, get out there, fill your boots, as there'll be some great bargains, and people need to offload these assets. But remember, in times like this, cash is king, the speed of your money is really important. Land won't produce much of an income. Okay, so it could be rented out for parking or storage, but your loan-to-value limit will soon catch up, and you won't be able to use cash flow to support more purchases. So personally... I'll be looking for opportunities that are both cash flowing and have growth potential, which usually means there's some vacant space or something that we can create more income from. But I think if you're, um, if you're looking at this whole cycle that's coming up, the tenth factor that I have here that people said to me in the past is that, you know, there's a concern that people will leave, you know, tenants leave or they go bust, or that you're going to have vacant space, and that's absolutely true. But one of the things I found last time around, which surprises some people, is the market that we're in, our model, multi-let, can be really good during a downturn. I'm just telling you what we found. But last time round, contrary to common belief, multi-let with flexible licences did really quite well. 
Because if you think about it, if somebody's coming up for a new lease at this time or in the next year or so, they may not want to commit to another 5, 10, 15 years because they don't quite know what's going to be happening. And some of those guys move into flexible space. We've already had, um, we're, where are we now? We're just in April, okay? In mid-April. We've already had customers join us from leases or from larger spaces because they want to downsize into more flexible space, which is which is our market. So the reason I'm just flagging this up is some people will tell you multi-let and licenses are not a great place to be during a downturn because they're too flexible and people might leave. I found the contrary. I found people want to join in because it's flexible, because there's opportunity to change as the economy does so they can scale when they need to scale. So just think about that when you're out there looking for properties. It's something that really makes a diff- made a difference to us. So when this is all over and you've made things happen, then you can put your feet up, twiddle your thumbs again, waiting for the next big buying opportunity. But right now you need to get off your backside and do something today. If you need help to speed things up, reach out to us, get educated. We can be a good sounding board and can help provide accountability so you don't let this time pass you by. You can find me on LinkedIn or on our website, commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk. There are various resources on there to help you work out what you need to do with your commercial investment goals. But this is not a time to be sitting around. This is a time to be doing. So to quickly summarise my 10 lessons from last time round, Here we go. How long will the period of opportunity be? I think it's going to be longer than you think. It can take time for these deals to come through. So the point too is, while those deals are taking time to come through, keep a good database of everything that's going on so that you can be ready when the buildings you've been monitoring are actually going to come up for sale at the right price. Number three, it's important to start buying sooner rather than never. Don't wait for all the best prices you can ever find, okay? You do need to remember time is an important factor as well as saving money. Number four, volume is critical. So it totally affects your negotiating position. So when you're finding good buildings, you can get better pricing based on the fact that you're looking at others and you're not so emotionally attached. It's amazing when you look out at buildings. Some of them... The price they'll sell for is, let's say, £500,000. And then one in another location not too far away sells for £200,000. And there's not much difference. How on earth do the valuers even think these things are differently priced? And often it's down to the guy that's buying it or selling it and their motivations. There's quite a lot of swing in these things. So number five, bank funding. Make sure you're ready. Get some more professionals onto your team to help you provide clear, concise, strong propositions and proposals so the bank finds it easier to say yes. Because then sometimes they said no to us, which just means try again. Number six, buildings will begin to move, but off-market first. So reach out and find some gatekeepers. Number seven, hindsight. Buy a lot more. That was definitely a lesson for me. And this time round, we are going to be working hard at that. Number eight, use other people's money to increase your reach. Okay, 
you just want to spend your own money, that's fine. But if you want to try and really maximise the opportunities, then you may need to work with joint venture partners. Number nine, just a small thought for myself, land banking. I've seen people do it, but the problem is it ties up all your money. And if this thing goes on for a while, you can't do anything with the land. And all it's doing is sitting there with your money tied up and possibly costing you money for actually sitting there. Certainly the opportunity cost will be high, I can tell you that. And number 10, relating specifically to our model, multi-let can really boom during uncertain times. I know it's a contradiction, but it's true. It's an area you should be looking at, that's for sure. So as a final comment on the current situation, be assured I'm not currently telling students and mentees they should be pulling up the drawbridge and putting their feet up and waiting for the storm to pass. I'm encouraging them to be fully aware of what is happening around them and to realise this is the time to work harder than ever as this is the moment in each cycle where there will be a big transfer of wealth. Are you going to wait for another 10 years until the next crisis, or are you going to go out and do something about it now? So thank you for listening. Please take a moment to post any progress you might be making on projects or questions you might have in the Facebook group. You can find it via the Facebook page, which is usual W's, facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor. Thank you for the reviews. Let's try to reach out for more commercial investors so that we can collectively learn from each other faster. So if you've got any colleagues that you think want to get involved in commercial property, point them in the direction of the podcast or a Facebook group so we can share ideas. Make sure you get something done before now and next week when we catch up. Speak to you soon. Have a great week. 